This morning, we are continuing in our series in the book of Exodus. We have been working our way through the Ten Commandments over the last number of weeks. This morning, we are going to be studying the Eighth Commandment, but just by way of reminder, uh, look with me in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. In this morning's verse 15, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. A commandment with only four words, but rich in biblical truth that is designed to protect God's glory and to protect God's chosen community. But not just God's chosen community, society at large. Alistair Begg, who is a pastor, said this. He said, here are the maker's instructions, and it's time to give them careful attention. In a culture that glorifies self and disregards truth, God's word speaks clearly into every area of our lives. He does not offer us what we want to hear, but he shows us what we need most of all. The Ten Commandments do not provide us with a ladder to climb to reach acceptance with God. Instead, they are a mirror that exposes our sin and sends us to Christ as Savior. These commandments are the pathway for the Christian to enjoy the fullness and freedom that our Heavenly Father intends. That's what these commandments are for. They are a pathway for the Christian to enjoy the fullness and freedom that our Heavenly Father intends. And it was the same for Israel. These commandments were intended as a pathway for Israel to enjoy the fullness and freedom that God, who had just delivered them from slavery, intended for them to enjoy. So as we study this commandment, would you pray with me as we begin? Father, we are grateful for your commandments. 
we are indebted to you for your word. Because your word is a pathway for us. It's a, a pathway, a light unto our feet. It's a lamp for us to see our way. It shows us what is right and what is wrong. It shows us what is life and what is death. It shows us what is true and what is false. And it protects us. It protects our relationship with you. And we thank you for that, Lord. And so as we study your word this morning, we ask that you would make these words once again be life to us and to strengthen us and to encourage us and where appropriate to convict us and where even more appropriate to give us hope. When we ask these things in Christ's name, amen. Now what the eighth commandment forbids is really simple. Don't steal. But as we explore this passage further, we begin to see that it's more than a prohibition against taking something that belongs to somebody else. Most of all, most of us might not look at this command. We say, oh, do not steal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've got this one down. I'm pretty sure that I'm, I'm successful at this commandment. I don't steal. I'm a Christian and Christians don't do this. I don't take what doesn't belong to me. Now, in our society, stealing is a common reality. And it would be a mistake, though, for us not to see how this verse has application to the Christian life as well. Because if you, if you ask most people, they're going to tell you, yeah, stealing is wrong in most cases. And there are those with the Robin Hood complex Um, where they view stealing as something that is relative and that it's, it's actually okay at times if you're stealing from somebody who has a lot of money. That's okay. Give to the poor by taking from the rich. And even at times, Christians can justify that mentality. Regardless, whether we take something from someone or, or not, I'm sure that this verse has application to every one of us. I think it has application in two ways. One, we've all probably had something taken from us. We've all probably at some point had something stolen because that is common, a common reality to our society. My son on his honeymoon, he and his wife were in one of the one of the Caribbean islands and rented a, a jeep and a jeep with no windows. And my son, being young, left his computer in the back of the car and with just about all his pictures from his honeymoon on it. And when he came back, it was gone. And he felt the sting of somebody violating his world. When Marilyn and I first got married um, in the apartment we lived in, somebody broke into our car and stole the most important thing for me, stole my brand new tennis shoes, my, my, my leather tennis shoes. Back in, in the early 80s, they were expensive. They were, they, they were important to me. And we moved shortly thereafter. I felt violated. And these situations... It's difficult for us because somebody has invaded boundaries that God himself has designed to protect society. But 
Society at large isn't the only place where this verse applies. Obeying this command is designed to protect the community of God. Now think about that. God is giving a a commandment, do not steal, to a community of people that are supposed to be following after him. Because even among Christians, stealing occurs. In Joshua 6, Achan stole and it affected the entire community of God's people. When this commandment is broken, it has, it has the effect of it can unravel the fabric of our community. Because it unravels the trust that we're supposed to have in one another. There are reasons why God has given us this commandment, in particular, us as believers. So let's, let's look at this commandment. Let's look at the reasons why by answering some questions. The first one is, why is stealing wrong? You might think, well, that's, that's pretty obvious. But like all of God's law, the Eighth Commandment has spiritual significance beyond just taking somebody's possession. When we steal, we... We attack God's sovereign purpose and provision for each person. We attack God's sovereignty. God is the one who provides all that we have. And he has established this this plan that we have a right and we have a responsibility of personal ownership. In other words, personal ownership is not wrong. God's established personal ownership. Yes, we are stewards of all that God has given us. We are responsible to care for all that God has given us. And ultimate ownership does belong to God. But he has established personal rights of ownership among his people. And stealing is a rejection of God's provision for somebody else. Now, again, I realize you're probably thinking it's just somebody's possession. And it, it is that, but it is so much more. Whenever we take something that doesn't belong to us, we, we sin not only against that person, but ultimately, more importantly, we sin against God himself. Philip Ryken in his commentary said this, Stealing is a sin against God in two ways. First, every theft is a failure to trust in his provision. Whenever we take something that doesn't belong to us, we deny that God has given us or is able to give us everything we need. Therefore, keeping the Eighth Commandment is a practical exercise of our faith in God's providence. Every theft is also an assault on God's providence for others. This is a second way that stealing is a sin against God. It robs what he has provided for someone else. The reason that anything belongs to anyone is because it comes from God, and we do not have the right to take for ourselves what God has given to others. So when we steal someone else's property, we're taking something that God has not provided for us. And in a way, we're, we're saying we, we demand that God give us this, and because God hasn't provided it for us, we're just going to go and take it ourselves. And we assault God's sovereign purposes and wisdom and plan for our lives. All that we have has been by God's design. And all that we don't have is by God's design. It can be so blatant as taking something from somebody else or so subtle as borrowing and not returning. 
Let me give you an example. Excessive credit card debt is an epidemic in our culture. But very few see that it can degrade into stealing. We want something that God has not provided, so we borrow on credit. Millions do this. They rack up huge amounts of of credit card debt without any viable way of paying it back. And eventually, many either declare bankruptcy or plead for reduced payments. But they keep the merchandise that they purchased with the credit card. In essence, they've stolen. That's what this commandment is after. They took what God had not provided, but what they wanted. Now, I realize credit card debt isn't always a result of this. There are, there are extenuating circumstances, but primarily you see in our society people borrowing on debt and not paying it back. And that's part of what this verse is after. And this is a spiritual heart issue because what we're communicating is I don't trust God to provide for me the things I need. And I'm, I'm pretty much bothered with God for not providing for me the things I want. And there's a big difference between want and need. And, and we really undermine his providential care for us. Listen, God is generous towards all his children, but his generosity does not look the same with every person. God's generosity can look different among his people. And, and that's where, in a little bit, in a couple of weeks, we're going to get to not coveting. Not coveting how God has been generous to others in different ways that he's been generous to us. Our responsibility is simply to learn contentment with what he has given us and to trust that he will always provide for us. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. All that God has provided is good and perfect for us. And that is God's kindness to us. That is God's provision. He provides for us. He supplies for all our needs. He cares for our bodies and he, and he cares for our souls. Stealing is wrong because at its foundation, it's unbelief towards God. It's unbelief towards his providence. And it's rooted in, in a sense, in a greedy desire to have what God in his wisdom has chosen not yet to provide for us or not to provide for us. And that is why stealing is wrong. So that's the the first thing. Why is stealing wrong? Because it is an expression of unbelief towards God. And it's an assault on his sovereignty and his providence. Secondly, what are the ways we break this commandment? I'm going to, this is not an exhaustive list. But it is a list. Stealing is more than just the physical act of taking something, somebody like going to the the freezer in my house and eating the rest of my ice cream. That that is more than, their stealing is more than just that. But it is stealing when you eat the rest of my ice cream. Not that anybody's done this in the room, dear. Stealing is addressed 
throughout the scriptures because it's a universal problem. More than just the problem of taking, it's, again, a problem of the heart. It's, it's greed and selfishness that are heart issues that have plagued and harmed humanity. And Proverbs one nineteen, I'm not going to go there, and Proverbs 15.27 and Proverbs 28 talk about greed and stealing and covetousness and the effect that it has and the ruinness, ruin that it brings upon um, a family or a community. Stealing is, is a problem. As we see in Exodus 21, 16, and we'll, again, study this in a few weeks, but 21, 16, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. So in Israel, kidnapping was a problem. That was stealing. People were kidnapping men. And then Exodus 22, in verse 1, stealing livestock. If a man steals an ox or a sheep, so the stealing was a problem within the community. People were taking what does not belong to them. But blatant stealing isn't the only problem addressed here. There are, there are subtleties behind stealing. Like I just mentioned with the credit card, borrowing and not returning. Uh, that is a problem. Things that we borrow from friends like tools or books. You walk in your garage and you see somebody's saw that's been there for six years. And you think, I ought to bring that back. Or you wonder how the library in your house keeps growing and growing. It's because you have my books. <laughs> and there's, and there's creative borrowing. You wonder, what is creative borrowing? Well, creative borrowing is, and this is, this is I know people who've done this. They go to a store They purchase a piece of clothing, they wear it for a certain event, and then they take it back and get a refund because they didn't want that piece of clothing forever. They just needed it for the moment. And you think, oh, no, that doesn't happen. Oh, yes, it does. Creative borrowing, that's simply stealing. Psalm 37, 21 says, the wicked borrows and does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. You see, there's, a, there's an opposite from, from taking is giving. So that's one, borrowing and not returning. Say, taking advantage of the poor. God has always provided ways for the poor to be cared for by those who are, who are better off. We see that in the book of Ruth. When Ruth would go out and she gleaned from the fields, they, they purposely left over the wheat that, 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 that uh, Ruth could go and collect because the poor needed that. And there were those who... Um, who took advantage of that and would take what the poor were supposed to glean. Uh, Employers can take advantage by underpaying their employees or overworking those who are in desperate need for money. And we see that those who can't afford to lose a job are, are sometimes abused. That's another way we can steal in our society or cheating through false advertising or false promises, um, we bought a car once. We bought a Subaru once. We bought a used Subaru once. And I thought we were getting a great deal. And the advertising in the newspaper, this is back when people read newspapers, and you would go and you'd, you'd see cars advertised. And we went and we bought this car, and we thought we got this great bargain. And um, the, a couple of days later, I, I'm driving along, and I, I 
pull over because there's smoke coming out of my engine and there's smoke everywhere coming out of my engine. I open the hood up and the whole engine is on fire and the electrical system caught on fire because the electrical system was bad. And so finally I had to have the car towed. I have to have a whole new electrical system put in, which cost me hundreds of dollars. And, and then the air conditioning went out and then I, I had to get that fixed just a week after that. And then I was driving and a tire went flat in the car. So I pulled in. I happened to be next to a gas station. I pulled in. I repaired that tire with the spare tire. And as I was pulling out of the gas station, another tire went flat. And I had to go into the gas station and buy a tire. And so then I drove that car over to a used car lot. I told him I never want to see this car again. And I called my wife to come pick me up. The advertising on that car was bad. And I think I was, I was cheated. Or, or how about when you buy a bag of potato chips? Like it's like 90% filled with air. And you get like eight chips in the bottom. That's false advertising. Is it not? Or, or you see, you watch on TV weight loss or exercise equipment um, and ads that promise more hair, more money, and better looks. And I haven't gotten it yet. It's not working. But that, that really is stealing. Or how about misusing your employer's time? Spending time at work on Facebook and Instagram and computer games or just simply goofing off. More time hanging around the snack machine or the coffee area than you are doing the work you're supposed to be doing. That's stealing. How about stealing from your employer like pens and paper clips? You think, they're just pens and paper clips. Yeah, but they're not yours. I mean, you never see anybody walking out of the office building carrying a copier. I get that. But, but check their bags and you'll see pens and paper and pencils. The problem today of stealing from employers is so prevalent. And shoplifting by employees in, in retail stores is so prevalent that employers today have to factor this loss into their bottom line And as a result, it decreases wages and increases prices. And we all pay a penalty for the breaking of this eighth commandment. Or how about stealing time? Chronically being late is stealing time from other people. It's a communication that my time is far more valuable than your time. And it's communication that we live in my world, not yours. Stealing time is stealing from other people. It's, it's not cute and it's not fashionable to be late. And it's simply not right. It's, it's selfishness. And we make a statement when we are late. We make a statement that I'm considered more important than you. And it's okay for me to take your time. I realize the eighth commandment, you shall not steal. We kind of go to the extreme. Yeah, we just take other people's possessions. But but there's more subtlety to it. How about plagiarism? 
Stealing somebody's work or ideas. Or about stealing someone's moral purity by your immoral actions. What about stealing someone's reputation through gossip and slander? Today, the Internet is literally a thieves market where a person's good name is destroyed and their reputation stolen by anonymous thieves who give no thought or give no care to the lives they ruin by their words. They have stolen a reputation. This commandment has broad application to the way we live in our church community and our society at large. But in particular for us, first and foremost in our church community, because if we're not doing it here, we're not going to do it out there. And we're not going to make the statement to the world that we are different because of the transforming work of Christ in our lives. If we look like the world, if we act like the world, they will see nothing of Christ in us. And this is what we're called to, is to be different, is to not steal someone's reputation by our gossip and our slander and how quickly and how easily it is to use our words to destroy somebody's reputation, to destroy somebody's good name. And in essence, we have ruined their life. Alistair Begg tells a story of a 16th century pastor who was addressing this issue in a sermon. So this is literally centuries ago. And after the sermon, a woman in his congregation came up to him and confessed to being a slanderer. And he asked her if she frequently fell into this fault. And she replied, "Uh, yes, very often. And so he responded to her by telling her that your fault is great, but God's mercy is greater still. And so he tells her, he says, listen, go to the nearest market, buy a chicken that's just been killed with its feathers still on. This is great pastoral care. Then walk a certain distance, plucking the bird as you go along. When you finish your work, return to me here. She did as she, she was instructed and then returned anxious for an explanation. Yes, obviously. Well, said the pastor, you've been faithful to the first part of my instructions. Now, what I want you to do is to retrace your steps and gather up all the feathers one by one. But, explained the woman, I I cast them carelessly on every side. The wind carried them in every direction. How can I recover them? Well, he replied, so it is with your words of slander. Like feathers, they've been scattered and cannot be recalled. Go and sin no more. It's what he told her. We must guard our tongues and not steal somebody's good name or reputation. We steal when we waste the gifts and talents God has given us. Luke 16.10, he who is faithful in little shall be faithful in much. How we use the material possessions, the gifts and the talents, the things that God has provided us. How do we use them? How, how do we use them to care for the church? That How do you care for the church? How do you use the church he's given you? Are you a taker or a giver in the church? Are you a taker or a giver in your family? Are you a taker or a giver? How, how do you live? 
Does the church exist to serve you or do you exist to serve the church? How about the relationships he's given you? Do you you use them or do you give to them? Do you care for them? Do you use them to satisfy your own desires or to steward them so that you can be a servant to others? Stealing can be so subtle, not just a blatant taking of someone else's possessions, but of all that God has given us and provided for us. And finally, we steal when we fail to be generous towards God. A very familiar passage, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi, as a prophet, rebukes the people of God for their failure to give tithes and offerings. It's because of the greed and unbelief. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. You've not kept this commandment, is what he's saying. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. We have a responsibility, God says, with, our, with the finances, with the provision that he has given us. That we can be robbers. We can steal from God. Those are some of the ways this eighth commandment can be broken. Third question, why did God give us this commandment? Well, Mark 2.17 says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All of us need this commandment because all of us are guilty of breaking the law. This eighth commandment. But Christ has set a different course for us. Ephesians 4.17 describes just the, the life in Christ that we are to have Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth 
with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We have been transformed by Christ. And this is how we are to live. This is what Christ has done for us through his finished work on the cross. As he, he has forgiven us. If grace, if, if you've been a thief, grace is offered through the forgiveness of Christ and you can and are transformed by the work of Christ. Now, as Jesus hung on the cross, two thieves hung on either side of him. One was unrepentant, but the other, seeing his sin as he looked on the sinless Christ, cried out to Jesus. He cried out to him for forgiveness. He was granted eternal life. The lawbreaker of the eighth commandment was forgiven by the lawgiver. And so are we. And so are we. Now, we meet another thief in Luke 19 named Zacchaeus. He was, a, he was a thieving tax collector who enriched himself by stealing from others. And he comes face to face with Jesus who shares a meals, meal with him. And shortly afterwards, Zacchaeus' life is completely transformed from sinner to saint. The gospel changed his life. And it's changed our lives, brothers and sisters. It offers unending grace to all of us who are new creations in Christ. Listen, if the Lord has convicted you of breaking this commandment, even even in just one small area, maybe you've stolen someone's property or maybe you've stolen someone's time or stolen their reputation, the Lord wants you to be reminded of the gospel. As Christians, our sins are no longer ours to bear, but are carried by the saving work of Jesus Christ. So as his child, do not be condemned, but but live in the promise and freedom of his forgiveness. He has promised to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you are like the thief on the cross, just put your trust in him. Look to him in repentance. Look to him. Cry out to him and he will forgive you. He has promised that. Listen, there's only one person in all of history who has never been a thief, never taken what doesn't belong to him. In fact, he did just the opposite. He, he came and he gave his life. He gave himself as debt payment for our sins. He gave up his place in heaven as a willing sacrifice for us to, that he might bear God's wrath and bear our punishment, the punishment that we deserve, so that like the thief on the cross and like the Z- Zacchaeus, we might experience the joy of salvation. That's why he's come. That's why he gave. As a Christian, I realize maybe you struggle at times with keeping this commandment. Maybe you do, at times, steal someone's time or their reputation. Or maybe you've even taken someone's possessions. Just remember, you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. You are no longer enslaved by sin. Sin, Romans 6, sin no longer has dominion over you. What you are to do is to do the opposite and be one who gives and learn contentment. Paul, Paul gives us a wonderful remedy in Philippians where he tells us that he has learned the secret. 
If you remember, he's learned the secret. <clears throat> I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you've received, you've revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's what he says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Learning contentment as a child of God. We no longer have to fight or steal for what we want because Christ is the one who fulfills us. Christ is the one who brings contentment to us. Christ is the one who provides all that we need. Christ is the one who is good to us. It's Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these commandments that bring truth to our souls, that bring illumination to our minds, that bring hope to our heart, because you are You are the good and faithful God who has, in your Son, forgiven us of all unrighteousness. And Lord, where we have struggled in these regards, whether it's stealing time or possessions or reputations or creative borrowing or whatever, Lord, where we have been convicted, we ask to be forgiven. We ask to be cleansed. And we ask to be restored in our fellowship with you for your glory. Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Let me close with our benediction from Philippians. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. May the God of peace be with you today. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you all next Sunday.